Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, so good to be joining you on this uh, wonderful day. I hope you have a great weekend. And today, uh, joining me is Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. I just, um, just thankful for another day and another podcast, and just another week to to do this with you. Yeah. And for those, and again, you know, a lot of times you guys get to see the nice polished version of Scott Seven podcast. Micah got on our call earlier and happened to see everything except my face, which was the background, because somehow my green screen settings on my Zoom made my face translucent. So whatever I had on the background was just covering my face, which was, uh, and everything that was green was actually showing, which <laughs> never experienced that before. And then once I turned it off and turned it back on, it got fixed. But I decided for not to scare anybody who's watching this on YouTube, I decided to just disable the green screen and all the weird backgrounds I put on my little green halo behind me. <laughs> so, yeah, so we have a great episode. Actually, it's kind of talking a little bit about a topic that we have talked about before, but kind of want to bring it up into this new year. Uh, but before we dive right into that, I, uh, weird st uh, stories gone wild. Um, I actually want to share first because this was actually happened today. Um, so I don't know, Micah, do you do any like side hustles? Uh, I do. I do a couple. Well, I, well, when I lost my job in, in 2020 and kind of went back into full-time ministry, I decided that I wanted to go help. I felt called and compelled to go help churches with, mm -hmm. with, with things like live streaming, which is what we're going to talk about today. Some marketing stuff, some website design, some things like that. And currently I, I help a couple of churches with their social media um, okay. on the side yeah. and just do like their, their marketing campaigns every week. So I can make a little extra money. And then there, you know, it's, it's kind of a blessing on both ends. I get a little bit of extra money, but then there, you know, some of these churches they don't have somebody that can dedicate their time to to keeping their websites up to date and their YouTube pages and you know it's easy for for you and I because we're used to that kind of thing. But like yeah. you know maybe a church that only has one pastor on staff they don't have the time or they don't know how or they don't want to um, because yeah. of all the other things they have going on in their their ministry life. So yeah, I do a little bit of uh, side hustles here and there with with marketing. Yeah. Good, good. Because I occasionally like, I mean, I've been doing stuff for years. I've been, I take surveys and they give me points or money and then I redeem them for gift cards or whatnot. I mean, I've done couponing, but one of the things that I've done probably the last couple of years is I know, um, probably shouldn't say the name of this social, but a very popular social media site that starts with the letter F. <laughs> Book comma face. Yeah. Um, they have these like viewpoint surveys and you fill them out, you get like points. And once you reach like a thousand points, they send you $5 to your PayPal account. Okay. And I know they, they started sending out a lot like in 2020, cause they were just kind of seeing like, Oh, are you getting your information, your COVID, where are you getting your COVID-19 information? Are you getting it through social media? If so, how relevant is it to you? You know, they ask all these questions, I guess for them, it's more marketing purposes. So they go, okay, are we spamming our Facebook, are we spamming our social media site with all this stuff? And occasionally they'll always, but then occasionally I'll get something where it talks about ad targeting, where they'll say, okay, we're going to give you a post. 
And then we'll show you a different post. And are these relevant to each other? Are they relevant, not relevant? You can't decide. And before when I would do those type of um, those type of surveys, usually it would be like, okay, here's someone on on their marketplace putting like some shoes up for sale. And then next would be like a Nike ad. Are these relevant? Well, yeah, they're shoes. Someone wants to buy shoes. So it's relevant. This one that I got was so weird because it wasn't like these ads or these postings. It was just like people's like random post. Like it's like, like this status if you love Jesus. And then they would show me the next thing to say would be relevant, which would be like, here, buy some Christmas cookies. And I'm thinking, no, that's not relevant. But I think I had to click the non-relevant thing. And they ask you 50 questions. And I probably hit the no relevant thing probably at least 47 times. And it was just weird. It was just like, Post just people's posts or, you know, people like your grandma might put a meme or there's been a couple times where I've seen some pastors. They'll put stuff like, man, there's only two things that are great in this world. Jesus and coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like coffee posts, like random, like silly coffee posts. And yet they'll compare that to, oh, do you want to buy this like rug from a shop in India? Like, no, those are not relevant at all. But it was just so strange. And sometimes I'd get stuff that wasn't even in, written in English. It was like, oh, here's something that's written in complete Japanese. I don't know if it's relevant. I don't know what it says. So then they go, oh, here, do you want to buy a cat? Like, I don't know if that's what it says. So I kept saying not relevant. It, 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 but it makes me wonder how their algorithm works. Because if these, like, let's say these surveys kind of help with their algorithm, how much of their algorithm are they going to shift? We're just you posting something like, Hey, hey, friends, I just kind of had a bad day today and, you know, lost my job and whatnot. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, here's a Facebook ad. Would you like to get a new job? (laughs) I lost my job at Miami. Hey, would you like to work at Akron U (laughs) or Capital University? Like, wait, what? Like, how much is the stuff that we're just posting, just everyday posting that now it's going to start having tags on it. And now it's going to start producing advertisements for you. Mm -hmm. And I find that, and I just find that to be very odd and weird that because how many people like your grandma's age or, or your parents age or my parents age, who you know, a lot of times the stuff they post on Facebook is stuff you'd find in like those chain emails back in the nineties where you read this story about this person and you have to share it with 10 friends or this person's son's going to die of like a life-threatening illness. And it's like, that's the stuff that gets posted on social media now. And like, now there's going to be like ads targeted to that sort of, <laughs> sort of posting. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't really, I do market. I also do marketing and stuff for, for the college that I work at and mm-hmm. the division and the office that I work for. And, um, my one of my reports is a she's the director of marketing and she has a master's of communications and marketing and she also has a bachelor's in, in journalism and things like that. But I think it's fascinating and I haven't done like a deep dive of like, OK, this is how algorithms work and this is um, uh, what we 
you know, what posts are going to make things the most successful and what are going to get the most eyes on things. And I don't really pretend to know. I've never done that deep dive of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do understand that when you post and have a brand and market and, um, you know, create a, you create your own algorithm by posting consistently and doing the same colors and doing the same fonts and things like that. And, you, you tend to get more eyes on your content that way and then even boost your posting and, you know, sponsor an event and things like that. And just to really get eyes on your, um, your product. But like on the flip side of that, like I, I'm also amazed that like uh, Scott, a couple of weeks ago, I shared, I don't know if it was a quote that you said or quote that I, we read or something on our show, mm-hmm. but like I posted it on Facebook and three people liked it. And I'm like, this is a really good quote. Why aren't more people liking this? Yet, mm-hmm. I posted a picture uh, after New Year's with my brother and sister-in-law and my wife, and we got like mm-hmm. 50 likes. Like, it, they're just weeks apart, and I have like 1,700 friends on Facebook. So, like, it's just, it's that's it's fascinating to me. It's like, mm-hmm. what what actually works, what actually doesn't work, and like, especially like in reference to like you doing the surveys and stuff. I've, I've always just been fascinated, but have never done a deep dive into what well, that looks like. It, and, and yeah, and I think it's also it kind of hitting on that point. I think it's weird where, you know, there's times where I would put like maybe like a theological like post or maybe I post a Bible verse or maybe I just kind of do like a little devotional thought. And maybe I get like three or four people who like it. And then I could put a picture of like my kids with Mickey Mouse if we're at Disney and that mm-hmm. could get 80 likes. And it, and I always thought it was weird. It's like, okay, here I am posting these spiritual things, and I barely get any traction, especially from people in my congregation that I'm pastoring at. And yet I could post a picture of my kids with Mickey, and a lot of people from the churches that I pastor at will like all that, but they won't like you know, me posting – Philippians four nine through eighteen, or talking about you know Jesus saves us from our sins, like ah, yeah, nope, no, we we don't like that, or we're just going to ignore that. But oh, cute kids in front of Mickey, thumbs up, hearts, hugs. Yes, yeah. Scott, how long have you had Facebook? Like since the origin? The, the origin I've of it? had I've had Facebook when it was just for colleges and yes, yeah, Anderson. Here. Yeah, so I've had it since the beginning. Yeah, so I remember like when I was an undergrad and I would come home from college for winter break and I'd be home or off for like a month. And I remember like staying up late and just scrolling through Facebook on my phone or on my tablet or whatever. And I remember like based on the number of friends you had, say you had 75 friends and only, you know, 20 of them posted today, you could get to the end of the newsfeed. Yeah. Now that's not possible because it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And then if you hit hit a point where it's like, okay, you don't see stuff that your friends are posting. It's like, oh, check out this church or get this deal at Menards or, you know, it's, a, yeah. it's an ad, like it's an advertisement space is basically what it's become where it used to be just a platform to post stuff specifically yeah. just for college kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's just uh, interesting now just how more people are on social media and just how, I mean, I think now if I look at like my friends, I probably have over a thousand 
mm-hmm. just from stuff from college to, and do I talk to everybody who's the thousand people that I'm friends with? No, no, I don't. It's also not um, possible. Well, I mean, you gotta you be <laughs> you be sitting on Facebook all day for days. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky if I can say happy birthday to them because I know there's days I will miss. And yeah, I try I, to make a habit of that, but you know, it's it happens. It's funny because sometimes if I say happy birthday to someone, then I'll see more of their posts because it's like, oh, that's the first time I posted to them or said something to them in a long time. So it's like, whoa, that's wonderful. So yeah, it's um it's just wild. It's just wild on how crazy things like that can be. Um, do, do you have a weird story? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know if it's a weird story per se, but like I mm. shared, I shared recently, you know, a couple episodes back that like, you know, Alicia and I are, are going through this transition of, you know, stepping out of ministry and stepping into counseling. And I, and, you know, I'm happy to report that I've been in counseling for almost two months now and it's going great. Um, it's been very helpful to talk through some of those things, but I, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but like, I know that when you transitioned out of the lead pastor role in Virginia to come back to Ohio, there was a period of, you weren't doing ministry. You were working Mm -hmm. at a bakery. You were working Uh, and other jobs and doing some of their things. But like, did you find it hard to find a church? Did you find it hard to go to church? Did you find it difficult to during that transition phase? Cause like my wife and I have visited a couple of churches and we've went to church kind of sporadically, not all the time. We'll catch a service online. If we, we watch stuff, I watch churches every week online. Cause I know different people in different circles that serve mm-hmm. at churches and I want to see what they're doing. But like to physically go to church, we've only won a couple of times. So we're having an incredibly hard time just finding a church to just get connected to these days. Did you go through that? Uh, yes and no. Like, okay. I mean, I think the church that I connected with was kind of, it was the church of a mentoring pastor that I was talking which, which to. Helped. Years, which helped. Which helped because then it's like. I'll go to that church because at least it's like, hey. And plus, I think for in some ways it was like, well, hey, I'm meeting with this guy. I'm talking with him at the same time. He's also kind of helping me with some ministry projects. So it was almost like I'm kind of helping, but I'm also kind of there just to kind of recharge as well. And for the most part, I mean, it was a pretty... It wasn't a church where I just sat there and I'm just like, ooh, like at least anywhere from like what was happening on stage or with the pastors, like red flag. I think there's one time when Laura kind of got to the point where she was ready to go to church um, while she was kind of going through her healing phase. Like, so your wife went through that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I think us as a family went through that. I think even my son still kind of goes through that a little bit because there's times where even like last Sunday he was sitting in church and he just was not, his usual self. He just kind of was dealing with some stuff. And I think a lot of it's not necessarily anything that happened at church, but I think it was more of him being younger and, you know, wanting those cuddle time during church. And he couldn't because he had to sit on the pew by himself while, you know, mommy and daddy were up there leading worship, Mm. you know, since he kind of aged out of, 
since he aged out of nursery stuff. So I think it was, and then now like my daughter's that same age and she's sitting on mommy's lap or sitting on daddy's lap or whatnot, because you know, my role's different. So I think there might be a little bit of kind of jealousy or feel like those needs weren't met when he was younger and now he's acting out. Like we're, we're not sure just more, but I know when we went, we st- I remember we drove and we stopped somewhere and we just happened to park right by a car that was like, God, guns and girls, like bumper sticker. And she's like, oh, what type of church are you taking me where someone has a God's guns? It's like, that's probably just that person. That's not a reflection of the staff or anybody who I have talked to at this church. So then, so we went and it was fine. And, you know, she had, it was a good time. But I think especially, you know, when we were kind of, before we started going, there's times where I've been invited to places I go check them out. Or most times it's like, well, hey, I just want to be there to support my other ministers who are in different states or in Virginia, but they're, you know, four or five hours away. So I just want to encourage them and, and kind of give praise and highlight to their ministry. Um, But yeah, so, but I think if I didn't have that connection, I think it would be really hard for me to even just find anywhere that I would feel, I wouldn't say comfortable, but I feel connected to, or I feel like, yeah. I think for me that like I never realized how weird it would be to not like have anywhere to go on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Right. And I never realized how and like, you know, we transitioned made this transition recently right before Thanksgiving. And um so you go right into the holidays and holidays are super weird as far as scheduling. And we talked about it on a couple of, you know, of our episodes about how, you know, Christmas on a Sunday and Christmas, you know, Christmas day on a Sunday and New Year's on a Sunday. It's just going to be weird because we're not, you know, it doesn't happen very often. So I, you know, I know my wife's experience in this, but like, I never realized how, I guess, difficult it would be to find a church to get plugged into and how strange it would be to not on the flip side, not have anywhere to go on a Sunday. So like kind of the stipulation that I put on myself was that we would go through the season of, you know, transition and healing. But the stipulation would be that we go to church, but we don't serve for a certain period of time. And I go to counseling. Those are the two kind of things that we prayed about and believe that God Mm -hmm. is, is really doing in our life. But uh, at this moment, but like we visited a couple of churches and we're like, okay, this is great. I really like this church, but it's 45 minutes away. So I'm not going to like go there every Sunday. So, mm-hmm. um, and then it's hard. Like you, you kind of want to go to go into a church situation and be like, you know, I, I, I kind of just want to lay low. I kind of want to heal. I'm a pastor. My wife and I have been through a lot. We don't want to draw attention to this, but I don't want people to know that I'm a pastor and been serving in a church. And there's this yeah. kind of like, what do you do? Like you want to keep your mouth shut and like kind of keep a low profile, but then they're like, you walk in the door and it's almost like the spotlight is like, boom, Hey, we're so glad you're here. What do you want to do? How can we, you know, how can you get connected? How do you serve? How do you do this? And it's like, right. So I guess that's my weird story. Just kind of an update on my life. And yeah, just it's, I just never dreamed it'd be so difficult because like, I want to go and I want to serve, but like, I kind of need to take that break, but I'm afraid yeah. at the same time, like, am I going to lose it? Am I going to lose my ability to serve? Am I going to lose my passion for what I've done for so many years? But I think I know the answer to that, but I just need to be. Yeah. And I think those questions are, I think those are the same questions that I went through. Cause even when I, 
decided to take a break, it's like, okay. And then, you know, I started applying to places and they, you know, they asked the question, why'd you leave your last church? And it's like, well, you know, and I would kind of just briefly tell them why I left. And then mm-hmm. it was like, uh, like, you know, it was almost like one of those things where it's like, uh, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, uh, dishonest and say like, oh, you know, I just felt like it was time for me. It, the Lord called me away. It's like, well, kind of didn't go down like that. So I'm kind of being transparent, but sometimes it's like, well, if I'm too transparent then, you know, it's going to bite me in the butt. Um, but you know, at the same time, I think that, you know, you know, I was very transparent with the people who hired me to serve right now. And, you know, they checked everything out and they said, okay, yeah. I mean, I think it's the same thing that our buddy Jordan went through, you know, he was transparent too. And, you know, they did their research and they did everything and they kind of found out like, yeah, okay. You know what? Yeah. I mean, you know, some people may go like, Oh, okay. You know, and not, you know, kind of think that something was a red flag was there, but they're like, Nope, we, we definitely think that definitely agree with the person who's applying to the job that their situation was legit. So we're going to give them, but I think the weird thing for me is not just necessarily not going somewhere on Sunday, but doing something else on Sunday morning. Like, I think it was weird. Like the first time, Hey, we're going to go to an amusement park on Sunday morning and we're going to have fun as a family. And it's like, all right, I'm riding roller coasters. This is fun. But at the same time, I feel guilty because I'm not sitting in church (laughs) or I'm not, you know, doing anything because I'm just been used to being at church on a Sunday, every Sunday for you know, seven to eight years. And it's just weird when you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and too, like, it, it's kind of like retirement in a way, right? You do a job for 30 years and then you retire and then you're like, what are you supposed to do with your life now? Because you have this time, right? So I've been going to church since I was born as a pastor's kid all the way up through high school, mm-hmm. got right into ministry when, you know, went to seminary, got into ministry, have been doing ministry for over 10 years. And now I'm, you know, my mid thirties and I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? This feels weird. Like, yeah, I can get up and go to the coffee shop or I can get up and, you know, work on a project on my house or I can go to church if I want to, or I can not go to church if I want to. It's, it's just a, it's a weird season. It's just a weird feeling for sure. Yeah, it is. It is definitely, definitely. So um, the topic today we're going to talk about is we're going to kind of go back in and look at live streaming again. I know that's something that you and I have talked about um, last year. We kind of talked about live streaming and, and more more specifically, now that the pandemic was over, should we give up doing live streaming? That was kind of the main topic. But as we're approaching 2023 and live streaming, it seems like it's kind of a kind of a staple for churches now. So I want to kind of revisit that topic and kind of discuss the topic of live streaming and i think you know there's just so much stuff out there now it's like before when it seemed like only the bigger churches your you know your elevation your bethel or even like i think about um just down the road for me is the uh, refugee road church of god which is a bishop timothy clark's church where they actually have airtime and they're on local television and they've been doing that for years. So the idea that now we go from the big the big players have the live streams or the TV contracts to now grandma and grandpa's church out in the boonies now has live streaming. So 
it just seems like the whole live streaming market, especially for a Sunday morning, has just kind of become a marketplace now for people to explore and people to even get overwhelmed sometime with the options that they have. So, so Micah, how has, especially you talking about how you're kind of in that, I'm not serving. Sometimes I go to church. Sometimes I watch stuff um, online or sometimes just watch my friends and see what they're doing on their online service. How has it been for you just seeing live streaming for the last couple of years and kind of where we're at now with live streaming in 2023? Um, so, you know, I've I've shared on this uh, podcast that I've, you know, one of my last full-time roles in ministry was the director of video media uh, mm-hmm. for a church. And, you know, we're a multi-site campus and we have multiple live streams on Sundays and, you know, did the church online platform where we had, you know, the service playing throughout the week and all these things. And uh, I think I sent a video to you over the weekend where it was like, you know, what what does church live streaming look like in 2023? Mm. And is it even worth it anymore? So I guess, you know, when I, you and I were talking about doing this episode, it was like, you know, do we, do churches continue to do live stream? Sure. Is it getting anywhere with your audience? Maybe. Are you reaching people? Who knows? And you talked a little bit ago about algorithms. Like, are those algorithms accurate? Are they not? Um, does your church have a decent following online? And so, you know, all of those are are are, are common questions. Um, and I, I don't I don't think because churches were live streaming before twenty twenty before COVID, mm-hmm. um, and then you talked about some of the bigger churches like Bethel and your Elevation and your Jesus Culture and Hillsong and and, and bigger churches and bigger situations who who have the capacity, have the staff, have the people that can put on the production that you're going to see like on a television show. Like it's, yeah. it truly is, you know, remarkable to see how well some of these churches produce their content every week. And so um, I guess the first question I, I would ask is, you know, is it worth it anymore? And I'm not just saying, Hey, let's just shut this stuff down because it's, you know, uh, nobody's watching it, but like, you know, in comparison to, um, you know, an elevation or a Bethel, like, People can just as easily turn on one of those churches' live streams and and get a better quality stream than what you're going to get in you know the small local church. Mm-hmm. And a do you have the volunteers? B do you have the time and the commitment from those volunteers? And finally, are you putting a product out there that I don't want to say compete, but is it is it the quality there? to make yourself stand out enough so you can actually have a following online. Mm-hmm. I know I throw a lot at you, but what do you think about all those things? Yeah, I think, oh man, that's that's a lot of great stuff. I think the big thing for me is when I look at, uh, when I look at kind of the live streaming thing, and I think I say this all the time when we talk about any type of ministry, there's a part of me that says, okay, there has to be a vision or a purpose to what you're doing for a live stream. I think when 2020 hit, basically the purpose was no one's coming to church. We need to continue to get our message out there so that people can still have church, even though they're at home in their pajamas. So let's 
get a live stream set up, you know, as quickly as we can. So then that way we can do. So that way we can broadcast our services to our congregation at home. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of churches, that was the reason why you have an online an online presence or a streaming presence is just that alone. I think over time, some of these churches who have been doing it, maybe they have been kind of putting more effort into them. Uh, maybe they are gaining more traction because they are seeing the numbers. Maybe they're seeing like, hey, we have eight people that show up to church every Sunday, and yet I have 70 people who are watching us online. So now how do I reach those 70 now? And I think for that aspect, it's like, okay, then, you know, you at 20, at 2023 is your purpose still, well, let's just broadcast it so people can watch at home. Or are you going to say, okay, how can I be missional in what I'm doing? How can I be missional in reaching out to the people the people, not only the people who attend church or say they're members of my church, but for those who are watching it, who may be curious about church, maybe they are liking something about our service. So how do I engage those individuals? And I think when you ask those good questions and you start to have more of a vision for your streaming presence, then that's going to, um, that's going to help shape your vision, your goal for your live stream. Now, I mean, if you're feeling like you're doing something and you're not getting traction, but your whole purpose is just to have something so that people can watch at home, then, you know, I guess that's great. But, you know, I think at the same time, um, if it's not, if most of your people are back to normal services and you're just not having that option anymore, then you might just want to say, okay, well, maybe it's time to, not put a lot of effort into this anymore. Um, Do you feel like it's ran its course, the live stream thing? I, 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 I think, I think three weeks ago, I might have said yes for some churches, and not all. I would say for some churches, I would have said yes, especially those who are not doing more to really engage people with their online presence. But with the, um, but with the what is this like the winter storm Elliot or whatever we just had. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are some people who cancel their Christmas Eve services, but then next thing you know, their live streams up and running and you just see the pastor sitting in their office living or room. sitting by their living room and was able to do the Christmas Eve service for people in their pajamas because it's like, well, I have this thing that I've just prepared. So let me lead people or, I mean, there's a time where when we were still not meeting and we had an Easter service, I did a virtual foot washing thing. And I also told people, Hey, we're going to do communion. So here's a bread recipe. If you want to make your own bread and this is something you could do as a family, or you could just buy stuff, however you want to do. And I, when we got to that point in the service where we did communion, I read the, read the gospels and broke bread on camera and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And did that and led people through communion, whether people did it 
right exactly when I was live streaming it or whether people caught the replay and they're just doing it along when they got a chance to. But still, it was an opportunity for people to do it because something happened or something was canceled. Um, so it hasn't ran its course. Um, I think I think just I would say no, but I think what has run its course is if you're only doing live stream just to have it for those who are still not wanting to come back to church for whatever reasons, if you're just doing it for that, then I think just having no vision or that is the only vision for your live stream. I think that's ran its course because I think now you either have to either dismantle it or you got to elevate it. And I think for the smaller churches, you can't, if you don't have the resources or the, the people to help elevate it, then you're kind of, then you're kind of out of luck in some ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that those are, those are really great points. And I think that, you know, it's, I guess by ran its course, I mean, uh, I meant to say, that, you know, what I meant by that was that we, you know, we got really into the habit of, of, okay, we have online church. We have online church. We have online church and the product. It's like, if you have the product and the product is, you know, going well, is it becoming stale? I guess is my, was my, my premise behind that question to you. Mm. Um, you know, I think one of the great things that that Elevation did so well during the the 2020 uh, edition of what they did with live streaming was the fact that they, like, for example, Stephen Furtick was preaching to an empty room. I mean, he had his his videography team there and he had his worship team there, but like other than that, they didn't have a full room of people there during COVID. But what they did, Scott, was they put a big flat screen TV in front of Stephen Furtick out of the camera shot. And they had the chat going for the YouTube channel. So he could see what people were saying in the chat. And he became very interactive with, with what they were doing while he was preaching. And he was like, you know, if God has blessed you, you know, put it in the chat and tell us how. And he's like, oh, Scott, I see he blessed you financially this year. Or, you know, Micah, I see that he, he, he blessed you with a new job this year. Like all of these, you know, he became, you know, that was one of the things that did really, really well early on was like, okay, they became interactive. So they kept reinventing the wheel. Another church is Crossroads Church here in Cincy. And I've mentioned them before, but they did this whole uh, session uh, during the summer of 2020. And I think even in 2021, where they, they called the sermon series, like move out, I think it was. And like, it was like, get out of your comfort zone. And what they did was they, literally took a van and they branded the van, they branded the colors and everything like that with this, the, the, the series move out. And they went out into downtown Cincinnati and they filmed their sermon series outside. They filmed worship outside. They filmed their teaching mm-hmm. and they went all over the place. And so like every week you're getting a different sermon in a different location by a different pastor. And so it was really cool to see, you know, how they continued to reinvent church online and it was a product that was consistently different in a good way because it wasn't just okay scott you're preaching this you're preaching today yeah great so let's uh let's just hit record on the live stream and you know go through the service like it is like you're just giving people that i guess does that make sense like it's like the product Mm -hmm. so the product doesn't become stale and a lot of churches have gotten to the point where they just come to church they 
do what they were doing in the building before they had live stream and they just put, they're just pressing record on the camera or they're just pressing go on the live stream. Yeah. And so it's just, there's not a lot of interaction with those folks who are watching online. Yeah. And, and I find that to be, um, yeah. And I think that's kind of the big thing too, that I find so fascinating with that is, you know, when you think about the size of elevation church, mm-hmm. very rarely are you getting any kind of reaction from Stephen Furtick. I mean, it's besides not- like, besides people standing up and clapping or people going, yeah, pastor or amen. Or, I mean, you're not getting a, interaction but i mean the fact that he was able to sit there and have a monitor where he could look at the chat and basically say oh hey i see that's happening you know blessings to you blessings to you even if it's even whether that person's a person or even if it's not like their their name it's just like you know bookworm 587 he can say oh bookworm 587 i see god's bless you with this god bless you like you know, but you find out, oh, that's actually Billy who comes to church, then yeah, you know, there you go. Um, and I think that's a big thing too. I think the other thing that makes it harder, because most times the way churches are set up, especially now that people are going back to in-person services, I don't think Stephen Furtick's having that monitor back up on the screen on the stage anymore, um, because more of a blocking issue than anything. But I think, you know, has that vision of really connecting with people through that thing has that kind of gone away because things are kind of going back to normal especially with their live stream and i would say you know probably don't get that interaction as much anymore than you did a couple years ago because of the fact that there's everything's kind of getting you know everyone everything's kind of back to some sort of normalcy or at least normalcy after the pandemic this new normalcy Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I think it's I think it's um definitely interesting to uh uh to focus on and really uh look at. So well, too like I think, you know, having you know having a person in place to to do that is kind of important too, especially if you're in a smaller church, like there not every church is going to have somebody that knows how to do video mm-hmm. and knows how to edit video and produce stuff to go online. Um, and I think a lot of churches that I just mentioned just a few minutes ago, like they, they just got used to the idea of, okay, we're just going to press record and go live, but they didn't really address the audience that they're, you mm-hmm. know, preaching to they, they, you know, and a lot of people, you know, churches who talked about side hustles when I was doing consulting a lot in 2021 and 2020 with churches, I was like, you've got to think of churches two dimensionally. Right. You got to think of the physical people that are in your audience, in your congregation, in the room. And then you got to think of the people that are watching online. Yeah. You know, you got to say, hey, good morning. Welcome to church. Welcome to those who are watching online. Right. Yeah. Uh, when the pastor gets up to preach, he or she has to go, you know, good morning. You know, we're so glad you're here. And for those who are watching online, you know, thanks for being mm-hmm. here today. Thanks for watching this message. Share it with a friend. Subscribe to our channel, like engage with your audience. And I think that's another uh, common thread that I'm seeing where churches aren't seeing their live stream or they're not, they're not seeing or retaining their live stream audience as a result because they've just forgotten about the folks that they're, that are watching online. Yeah. It's, it's, and I think that's kind of the thing. It goes back to 
it goes back to why do we watch why do we watch tv well because just having those cuts it keeps your focus it keeps the audience focus when you're making those cuts because you're seeing different sides um even when you think about reality tv yeah the drama's there but you have to remember that they're filming especially like you think about survivor you know they're filming long hours and a lot of that stuff's just getting cut and leaving on the cutting room floor Mm-hmm. But if I can cut, or especially like when you watch like a live theater stage, you're not seeing like just a one still shot of the theater. You're seeing multiple cameras making cuts or zooming in. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, Micah, you and I both watch wrestling. If we were just to watch a wrestling match and they didn't do the different angles or the different views of the ring, we're just watching one straight shot, one straight shot. I mean, we're not going to be watching it very long. We're just going to be like, eh. You know, we'll turn it around because I think even with the commentating and, and the cutting, it, it it creates a culture. It creates it creates a storyboard that entices you. So, when it comes to church live streaming, you have to do one or two things. You either have to either have multiple cameras to do those cuts to kind of keep people interested, or as the speaker, you're going to have to engage with that online audience. The same thing when I stream. I mean, I could sit there and I can play games, but I talk and I will talk to people. And sometimes I can see who's in the room, who's not in the room. And sometimes, you know, some days it's just me playing a game and it's a game no one really cares about. So I'm not getting any views. But when I'm playing a game where I'm starting to get, you know, 10, 20, 30 people viewing, then I'm just saying, hey, how are you guys doing today? Thanks for joining. Thanks for subscribing. I appreciate it. You know, I'm, you know, and I'm always kind of customizing my own Twitch channels to kind of do more. So like when I do get a new subscriber, do I, you know, do I get my little alien here and I make him do a little dance or twerk or whatever? For those who are on YouTube, you'll definitely see that. But, you know, I think with that, you know, you you're basically I'm kind of creating a show based off me and my personality in whatever game I'm playing. Yeah. So think, you know, yeah, you have to do that. Well, and that goes back to the whole conversation of, you know, does your church have somebody that knows how to do video? And also does the church that you're attending are they on board with the vision of okay, this is how we're gonna do live streaming? We're gonna have a uh, an online welcome video that's separate from you know, what's going on in the room, we may have video announcements, mm-hmm. right? Do you prepare those video announcements for just the people that are watching online? Or do you prepare the video announcements for, for those who are just in the room? Or do you do two separate ones? One that's going to be online for people that are watching and one for the people that are in the room, you know, that can, you know, connect people who are watching online who may not even live in the same state, but they're watching your live stream. This is how you can get connected. How can we pray for you? Do you have digital life groups, things like that. Um, it's, it's amazing to me that, you know, we're having this conversation in 2023 and um, we're still having these conversations where churches aren't on board with, you know, furthering the kingdom of God because they want to do things a certain way. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. And I think it's also, I think maybe the challenging thing too, is maybe you have a pastor who really has a vision for their live stream and really wants to use it to reach people and do that. And maybe they have a good idea or a good plan and maybe just doesn't have the volunteers or maybe the issue is, is you get everything in place, but and I hate to say it, but there's some pastors who they're just not 
very tech savvy. Not tech savvy. I don't think. I mean, especially when they're on camera, they just don't like being on camera. Mm. They just don't. They don't have the personality that makes for good. I guess that makes for good television. You know, the or they get super nervous about it. Yeah, they get super nervous about being on on camera. Mm-hmm. And then, which is so funny he, because you you public speak for a living. <laughs> well, I think there's well, I think there's a fear. I think the fear is is you know if I say something in a group of people, like for example, Michael, let's say you're attending my church and I'm preaching, and let's say I flub something up. You know, instead of saying, you know, Father, forgive us. And I'll I'll use a line that my grandfather said years ago when he was a minister. You know, Father, forgive. Instead of saying, Father, forgive us for our faults. Father, forgive us for our farts. Hmm. Now, in front of a bunch of people, I may get some chuckles. I may get some laughs. But guess what? It's just confined into those people who are at that service at that time. And it becomes kind of a source of legend in storytelling. I say it on camera on live stream. Let's say just some random YouTuber happens to find that clip, and guess what? It's on TikTok. It's now being memed, memeified. It's now being part of a remix. It's now being part of a sound sample for you know Kanye West's new rap album. Forgive us for our farts. His, <laughs> his his second his second Christian album. His second Christian album. Um, but so I think even sometimes the fear with being on camera is not necessarily if I make a mistake, it's now on there for the whole world to yeah. see. Or if I say something that's kind of ill-fitting, we now have footage. We can find out. I mean, and again, I see a lot of cringeworthy stuff through church stuff on Facebook or TikTok or social media all the time. But now that's part of the, now that's kind of out there. And it's one of those things where it still kind of becomes prevalent and then it dies off and then it comes back again because someone else finds it and then they revitalize it. And so you have to really look at some of these things where, and maybe there's a part where a pastor, you know, who's very into the toxicity of our news media where they feel like, oh, I have to be careful with everything that I say because then someone's going to take my words and blow it out of proportion. And I just don't want the heat and I don't want the church to feel the heat because someone's taking my words out of context and, and blowing us up. And I want to, you know, protect my church from, you know, the wolves of social media. And there's that type of paranoia, I guess, whether it's real or whether it's just in one's mind or the fear of that that could happen. You know, I think people are just, more on guard where, you know, Stephen Fjortek could say whatever he wants and people give him a lot of crap about it, but you know what? He don't care. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't care. I mean, and I think that's always the big thing that I always hear about, like when it comes to media, you know, whether good news and whether it's good or bad, all news is good news because again, it's going to get you publicity, whether it's good publicity, bad publicity, publicity is publicity. And if it gets you more views, more followers, more, you know, more criticism, Mm -hmm. it's just going to continue to spread. And I think that's how some of these like churches or cringy churches that I see, it's like, well, how do they get a following? Well, I think probably there's some people who legit like the pastor or this church and all their cringiness. 
But I think they get a following because there's other people who follow them because they want to say what type of weird, crazy stuff is this person going to say next? And it kind of, and how can I capitalize on that to get more views for my page? Because I'm posting about, did you hear what Pastor John said? Or Pastor Billy Bob or Pastor Susan? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like now it becomes, it now becomes part of public spectacle. And yeah. anything you say or use can be memefied and used to gain other, to gain another person's like and follower count. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think it's that could also be you know generational thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about we talked about generational things on here, but like the um, I know a friend of mine who's a pastor in the area where we live. He's an excellent communicator, but I remember filming a video for their website and their YouTube page or something, and it was just literally just me and him in a room, and it was like a ninety second video, just saying, "Hey, welcome to church. We're so glad you're here." or welcome to our YouTube page, or this is what our church is about. And he did great, but he was an absolute nervous wreck. Like he's a middle-aged man, sweetest guy you'll ever meet, but he can preach in a room full of people and he's fine, but he gets super nervous when he's, you know, and I remember him telling me that, you know, he struggled when, when COVID happened because how am I supposed to preach to an empty room? And a lot of people went through that, right? Like for the first time in their ministries, they, they were, you know, performing, not performing, but preaching in front of nobody and to a camera. Same thing with you talked. Yeah. I said I said performing because I thought about wrestling because like there was a period where wrestling was in front of nobody. Oh and yeah. So you know, for the first time in these these performers' careers, they were in a room full of nobody. Right? They were in an empty room. Yeah, they have to even pump. They I think they had the pump sound in there because how do you go like come on and try to get the crowd riled up like you're used to? Yeah. And it's like you're throwing your hands up trying to get an empty audience like. I think, at the end of the, I think at the end of the day, I don't think it's ran its course, but I think that if I would encourage, if my, if I, if I had an encouragement for this episode, it would be like, try to be more creative. Like mm-hmm. just, just try to test the waters with, with what your online audience is seeing as far as like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to preach a separate sermon and I'm going to preach it outside. You know, I'm going to preach at a coffee shop. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to preach in front of the fireplace at my house or I'm going to do a series like in the woods where I'm preaching, you know, get like different scenery involved, get different shots and get different, mm-hmm. you know, angles from the shots. Do multiple cameras, you know, like preach sitting in the pews, you know, preach, you know, from your office, like do, you know, give your audience something different to look at each week so that you can keep them engaged. It's it's no different, Scott, than if you're watching a TV show and that like the series is 10 episodes long you know, each episode, they want you to be kind of like on a cliffhanger. So like, what's, what's the next episode going to be like, mm-hmm. what, what's going to happen the next episode. And so, um, I don't know, man, it's just interesting to me how churches have lost sight of, of that. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, 10, 10 years ago, you know, live stream was this revolutionary thing and we're going to put church online to, for people to see our church. And now it's like, okay, is it stale? Has it run its course? I can yeah. say yes and no for that. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I don't know. Just my encouragement would be let's let's be more creative in what we're doing. Yeah. And I think even with creativity, there's there's a lot you can do to break the to kind of break the whole lecture form. Um I mean, even if you're doing like a even if you're just going to do like a little Easter 
passion play. I mean, you can really now have the opportunity to really set up your cameras, or even if you just have one camera, just set it up in different paces. And if you have someone who can edit or you have to hire somebody to edit it for you, they can edit, make it nice and neat. And now you have a really good, you have a really good, um, you know, you have a really good performance place that you can do, or maybe instead of just doing, I'm going to lecture to everybody, actually have a dialogue and kind of, you know, have that thing where, Hey, I do have a monitor in front of me so I can see all the feeds from our Facebook and, uh, Facebook and, um, YouTube pages. And then that way I can interact with people or people sending your comments. So I'll be discussing them live or some of the challenges that you're facing or some of the scriptures that you have difficulty reading. You know, you can, you can do those things, sort of things now. And it's okay because I feel like a lot of times when pastors switch up the mold of just the normal lecture kind of platform, that's been part of the church life for years when someone does something different, I think the congregation usually responds very well because, and it's something that they always remember because it's something that is different from the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, friends, let us know what you think. Do you think that uh live streaming has kind of run its course? Or are you kind of like with, uh, with both uh, Mike and I, that we feel like that, Hey, you know, this is a great opportunity for the church and their t- proclaiming proclamation of the word to be a little bit more creative to try to test the waters do something that's different to kind of see if it works and see the responses or maybe you're someone who you're just like man i would all this sounds great i just don't have the resources the time or the people to do it let us know what you think and you're on live streaming let us know how you're tackling your live stream maybe what you're posting uh can be a way to help people who are listening to this podcast help them in their ministry as well. And again, we'd like to know either through email, through just posting on our social media sites, on our YouTube site. But if you're watching this, uh, guys, again, this has been wonderful. This has been great. We're so glad to uh, just be able to um, share this type of information with you to help you in your ministry. And uh, may you have a wonderful weekend and we'll be on next week with another episode. 